What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. When you think about the Green Tetons, what comes to mind? Iconic, snowy mountains, pristine lakes, and grizzly bears mostly. Yeah, yeah. But also, how about white Russians, whitewater rafting, and hootenannies? I mean, sure. All of those things take place here at Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming. And clearly, there's a lot to love about this epic park. Oh, yeah, I'll say. As an avid and restless hiker myself, this place is my dream. But also, as someone who enjoys warm cocktails while sitting in hot tubs, it also scratches that itch. This place really has it all, from all kinds of beautiful hiking trails and wildlife to history, musical hootenannies, and some of the best restaurants and bars in Teton Village and nearby Jackson. We could easily spend a whole month here or more. Yeah, except the RV park prices are pretty bougie and we'd probably be bankrupt by the end of it, but at least we'd be pleasantly buzzed from all the great local beer and cocktails, probably merrily tapping our toes at the hootenanny, which is a real thing, and I cannot wait to talk about it. All that and more coming up in this week's episode on Grand Teton National Park. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Brad. This is Parklandia, a podcast by iHeartRadio. We sold our loft in Chicago, moved into an RV, and now we're traveling the country full-time with our dog, Finn, exploring America's national parks. (coughs) This week's episode is on Grand Teton National Park, which is in northwestern Wyoming, immediately south of a little place called Yellowstone, which you may have heard of, because we talked about it already this season. Um, All right, so for starters, we were here at Grand Teton in July, right after our time in Yellowstone, actually, since the two parks literally border each other, and Grand Teton is just to the south. They're really the quintessential one-two punch of all national parks, I think. And unless you're strapped for time, it would be a huge oversight to go to one and not the other. Yeah, absolutely. Even though they're right next to each other, they're both so different, and they vary from one to the other. Um, They really look nothing alike, which is absolutely shocking. Yeah, the scenery kind of hits you abruptly, too. If you're entering Grand Teton from Yellowstone, heading south especially, like— All of a sudden, the scenery explodes and bursts open into these massive serene lakes that brush up against the base of these enormous soaring mountains with jagged, snow-capped peaks. These, I really feel like, are the quintessential mountains of the American West, and they're Mm -hmm. all here, just looming in the distance. It's at once alluring and captivating, but also intimidating, and it really makes you feel small. 
Sometimes it's good to feel small unless yeah. you run into a grizzly bear in the wild and then you're hyper aware of how small you really yes. are. Yeah, that'll do it. And that's why this is another place where bear spray is super important. Like there are signs literally everywhere in every store strongly recommending buying and carrying bear spray and also hiking in groups and making noise and all these precautions. Be bear aware. At least that's what the signs say. It's catchy, and I, I like it. Fortunately, we didn't see any bears here when you and I were in Grand Teton. I did see one a few years back when I was here with my family on that Yellowstone trip. Mm-hmm. Turned out fine, though. Clearly, I didn't die. But, I mean, apparently, according to me, you either die or you're totally fine. There's there's no middle ground when it comes to grizzly bears. Of course. I'm not going to say you're dramatic or anything, but I'll imply it. History. Fair enough. Uh, so anyway, let's start by talking about the background and the establishment of this park because it was a saga. Uh, much more complicated and drawn out than most national parks, which seems crazy because clearly these beautiful mountains deserve protection and preservation. So it should have been obvious, but not necessarily in this case for everyone. Yeah, complicated is definitely correct. But long before this whole tangled little mess, the region was first populated by Native Americans some 11,000 years ago since these abundant lakes were rich with game for hunting. In the 17th century, French fur trappers explored the area and gave the park its name by referring to the three tallest mountains as Les Trois Tétons, which translates to the three nipples, which, okay, like, were these fur trappers sixth grade boys or something? It's a little Yeah, it's hard to say with a straight face. (laughs) So basically, this is the Grand Nipple National Park. Right, real mature. But also, can we just say how masterful my French pronunciation was? Mm. That was great. I... Didn't know how. Snaps from Because um, I've never said it out Snaps loud. I say it in my head and it sounds good, but <laughs> that's good. Uh, I know. We're both really mature. Mm-hmm. Um, the most famous trapper to ever explore the area, though, was David Jackson, who apparently loved the Teton Valley so much that the present-day town of Jackson Hole is actually named after him. Homesteaders followed Jackson in the late 1800s, and then con- conservationist Horace Albright came into the picture in the 1920s. He was the first person to appreciate the Tetons from a preservation standpoint and sought to have them established as a national park, since the National Park Service had recently been created in 1916. Yeah, at the time, Albright was actually the superintendent of Yellowstone, and he wanted to spread the national park's love to the south, so he used his platform to take visiting congressmen and other politicians through the Teton Valley to wow them and help them see the value of this area. Yeah, show it off a little bit. Here's the problem, though. The area was already populated with ranchers at this point, and they were very anti-national park because they wanted their private land, and they wanted to obviously profit off of it and its agricultural value and, you know, just really milk it. And yes, I realize using the phrase milk it in an episode where nipples are being discussed isn't exactly (laughs) ideal, but that's... History basically just wrote wrote itself this way. I, I can't. It help fits. It. I mean, it fits absolutely. Uh, so yeah. anyway, you have Albright on one side, these ranchers on the other, and they were very much on opposite sides of their argument here. Um, but when things changed in 1926, um, that's because Albright crossed paths with John D. Rockefeller Jr. Yes, he did. And John D. Rockefeller Jr. is a wealthy naturalist with a heart of gold and pockets lined with gold too. So it's good. He toured the area with Albright and loved it, and he supported the idea of preservation. So they devised a plan that was a little devious in retrospect, but it's clever, and I love it. Rockefeller started buying up tracts of land throughout the area under the moniker Snake River Land Company, which was masquerading as a cattle ranch business. Very sneaky. And he wasn't the only person doing this time. Very sneaky. Um, You know, Walt Disney 
that's how he built Walt Disney World. Oh, did he do yeah. that same thing? Oh, yeah. But oh. he had hundreds of different names. So it's just sneaky. fascinating, right? Yeah. But then in 1929, a small portion of the land and several lakes were designated as the Grand Deton National Park. Uh, but Rockefeller had all of his extra land that he wanted to include in the park. He wanted to donate to the park service, but the government wouldn't just take it. So he kept buying more land and an additional 35,000 acres. Yeah. What a weird, unrelatable problem to have. Like, oh, I just have excessive amounts of land and money. What a, what a pickle. What do I do? Yeah. And honestly, though, it's refreshing to see a filthy rich person on such a heartfelt mission like this. Like, oh, you don't want to take my donation? Well, then I'll just buy the whole state and force you to, which is, you know. So relatable. Yes, so relatable. <laughs> yeah. And that's eventually what wound up happening after, you know, years and years. So. Yeah, it's a crazy how drawn out this was. It was really dramatic, too. But Rockefeller wrote a letter to President Franklin D. Roosevelt in 1943 telling him he would sell him the land if the park servants wouldn't just take it. You know, that's just like a little extra slap in the face. <laughs> uh, the president created Jackson Hole National Monument to the east of the existing park, but still did not include any of Rockefeller's land. It's like they're just dancing around it. And if I was Rockefeller— I'd be I'd be furious. It took years, years. for like, him to just get take it to my him. land. Jeez, just take my free land. Initially, a lot of locals were furious about more protected land, of course, because you know everyone wanted their own mm-hmm. private cup. Until after World War II, when they eventually saw the economic benefit of the National Monument and Park and how it was actually a huge boon to the local economy. So now, finally, finally, after everyone saw once and for all what a big positive difference these parks can have. The government merged everything together into one park, including Rockefeller's land, finally. Yep. And that was in 1950, a full 21 years after the initial formation of the park. 21 years. It took a while. Fittingly, the National Park Service actually dedicated the whole route connecting Yellowstone with Grand Teton to Rockefeller. So now it's called the John D. Rockefeller Memorial Parkway. And it's a national park site in and of itself. Yeah, that's true. I did not know that till we were there, but that's great. I feel like very deserving. Right. And it's one of the most scenic drives we've ever done. And I, I really think Rockefeller would be very proud. Yeah. So now today, Grand Teton National Park consists of 309,000 acres with more than 200 miles of hiking trails. And that's just a fraction of the size of Yellowstone to the north. But it's really great that the Teton Range and its valleys are all finally included in one glorious park filled with epic views and the most beautiful lakes and incredible trails. Yes. It's a very fitting finale to this years-long saga. And we'll talk more about those trails and more after this quick break. You are listening to Parklandia from iHeartRadio. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today 
at purdueglobal.edu. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Brad. This is Parklandia. And today we're talking about Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming. Trails. So Grand Teton definitely ranks way up there as one of my favorite parks for hiking, because obviously it's a mountain mecca with literally hundreds of miles of trails from easy lakeside jaunts to grueling halls across boulder fields. It's got something for everyone, whether you're a leisurely walker or a full-blown masochist. It comes to no surprise that you've actually experienced some of these grueling trails. Yes, true. It shouldn't be a surprise because you all know me pretty well at this point. So on my first trip to Grand Teton, it was part of my family vacation with my dad, my brother, and my sister. This was in 2016 or 17. Yeah. Um, And so this was like the first segment of that trip, that Yellowstone Grand Teton thing. And we were staying at this gorgeous lodge in Teton Village, which is the dreamiest little mountainside resort I've ever seen. It's, it's so pretty. So it's beautiful. Yeah. It's stunning. Um, you and I tried to go back there this past summer one night, but everything was pretty much closed. Yeah, it's not really a late night town, I guess. But we were there at like 9 p.m. and I was desperate to take you back to my favorite spots and show you around. But oh well, we wound up finding like expensive sushi and it was it was all fine. Yeah. But anyway, the first full day we were in the park, we asked the hotel concierge for some hiking trail recommendations. This was when I was with my family. And he suggested something called the Delta Lake Trail, which is actually an unmarked trail that veers off um, the Amphitheater Lake Trail, which is kind of the main thing that you see in the map. Yeah. And so Delta Lake was not even listed in any of the guidebooks we had. We hadn't heard about it. We were just basically going off this guy's recommendation and what he was explaining to us. Gotta love the locals, but that's kind of scary. I'm surprised you actually agreed to do that. Yeah, me too, in retrospect. So this trail 
and Amphitheater Lake Trail start at Lupine Meadows Trailhead area, not far from Teton Village. It's super pretty and peaceful, and it all starts through this lush pine forest that really just smells like a big Christmas tree farm. It's very peaceful, very aromatic, Mm. very relaxing. But we were all the whole time on, like, high alert for bears. This was our first, like, trail that we were doing on this trip, and we're obviously all nervous wrecks about the potential to see bears, so very worried. My dad had bear spray at the ready. (sighs) But about two-thirds of the way up the trail to Amphitheater Lake, which at this point has had numerous switchbacks of the mountain with some sweeping valley views below, we cut off into the woods towards Delta Lake, and things started to get very icy and very snowy pretty quick. And we were not properly dressed for it at all. We were dressed for, like, late summer, snow-free walking and, like, leisurely hiking. Not for this. None of us had gloves, and we were all just, like, in hiking shoes or sneakers, even. I think I was wearing, like, sneakers. So Yeah, that's not not good. good. We really got to get you better hiking shoes. I know. For someone who hikes as much as you do, you need to have the best shoes. Right, yeah. I think one of the pairs of shoes I had literally has a hole in the bottom. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. Not okay. No, and especially for a grueling trail like this, which had deeper and deeper snow, which went over boulder fields and steep slopes that we we literally had to crawl up some of them and get, like, hands-on. And remember, like, we didn't have gloves, so yeah, this isn't great. But when we finally made it up to Delta Lake, it really was amazing, and we had it all to ourselves. It's this gorgeous, perfectly still glacial lake that looks like a mirror in the midst of these vertical mm-hmm. peaks. And the main Teton, the Grand Teton, was perfectly situated on the opposite side of the lake, rising above a cloud of fog and reflecting the water. It was really such an amazing and surreal place to eat the rest of our breakfast burritos that we (laughs) saved. (laughs) That does sound really amazing and peaceful. Yeah, yeah. Well, the peacefulness came to a screeching halt on the way back down when we were literally sliding down these steep slopes and crashing into rocks and trying to keep our icy hands from frostbite. At a certain point, I think I was like, crying and laughing at the same time and my brother and sister are like are you actually okay or do we need to work and i'm like i i don't know honestly (laughs) i can't tell you i was just like Mm. uncomfortable and laughing at the outrageousness of it all i think yeah that is pretty crazy yeah and we were wondering this whole time if the concierge recommended this hike to us because he wanted to kill us like was was this a malicious recommendation because well, the joke's on We're him suffering. <laughs> because you live to tell the tale. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure this trail is beautiful and less miserable in, like, the peak summer months when snow is either non-existent or at, at least minimal. But this is not the time of year for it. It was, like, late September. Snow was starting to come back in full force, at least at these elevation levels. Yeah. But at least we'd be able to see where we're stepping and not constantly falling into deep snow over boulders if we were to do this in the summer, which I would totally come back and do this in the summer. I think yeah. it's a worthwhile trail. You just need to be equipped and um, mentally ready. And on the way back down, once we were back on the main trail, we actually did see an adolescent grizzly bear eating berries or something. It was just like foraging. It's romantic. Yeah. It it really (laughs) wasn't as scary as I thought or like this terrifying image we all had like burned into our our minds of what it would be like. It was mostly mesmerizing, at least from a safe distance. And like it was an adolescent, so it wasn't this big, gigantic, looming no, because that was like behind animal. you getting ready to pounce, right? <laughs> um, I mean, hopefully not. But even if it was, we made it out. But it's safe to say at the end of all of this, the end of like this treacherous snowy hike and then the bear setting, we were all very eager to make a beeline to the hotel's hot tub on the roof. 
Yeah, and that wasn't the first time you've ever uh, had a white Russian, was it? Yeah. Somehow I've gone through my entire life without ever having one of these, and they're amazing. I can't, like. I just don't get it. I mean, I, 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 I that used to be my go-to drink, but then <laughs> I, I haven't had one in a while. No. Well, they're they're rich. They're kind of heavy, so I can't. Yeah. It's, it, it's not something I would want to have on a regular basis. But for this setting, like after a painfully cold hike, when you're like just sitting and mending your wounds in a hot tub, it's it's really perfect. And especially like these ones where it was like splashed with espresso and it, it was all exactly what I needed. This is like the medicine I needed. <laughs> well, the main amputator uh, lake trail is a good option though. Um, and for anyone who wants to get those glacial lake views without having to go off trail. Yeah, totally. I did that main trail this past summer and honestly, it was just as beautiful as Delta Lake. So... Again, I'm not really sure why the concierge didn't just suggest that one to begin with. It would have been much easier to follow, and it would not have required scrambling over any boulder fields. So it made for a have... great story. It did, and ultimately, I'm glad for that. So I guess thanks in retrospect to that concierge, that devious concierge. <laughs> Altogether, Amphitheater Lake is about 10 miles round trip, and it's pretty strenuous with a ton of switchbacks and some snowy maneuvering at the very top, but it is worth it, and it's not as difficult and hands-on <laughs> as no. Delta Lake. Not all the trails at Grand Teton are strenuous or steep, though. Uh, the mountains are the main attraction, for sure, but the park is also filled with these incredible lakes that are surrounded by much easier trails, like Jenny Lake. Yes. Jenny Lake is definitely a leading lady here. It's the second largest lake in the park and one of the most visited areas, so prepare for crowds in crowded parking lots and arrive early to avoid both as much as you can, especially in the summer months. Yeah, I remember the day that you were doing Jenny Lake. I was driving the RV to our RV park near Teton Village, which was really beautiful, but definitely the most expensive place <laughs> that we have ever stayed. It was basically hotel prices. Yes, it, it was. Like, we've stayed at hotels for cheaper. Yeah. It's, this is a bougie area for sure. It'd probably be like staying at staying on property at, like, Disney World or something. Yeah, Fort Wilderness, yeah, definitely. right, with the RV. Or even, this might have been even more expensive, but... We still, yeah, we still had the rental car that we had been using for Yellowstone to make it easier to park at trailheads and such. So we were able to park it here, the RV, park at the campground, and then just make it easier to get around and also to park because this was prime time. Yeah. So I used the rental to drive to Jenny Lake one morning early, and thankfully I got there with enough time to get a spot. Parking lot was not yet at capacity. But by the time I left, there were cars, like, literally lined up down the main road, like, down the highway or whatever, the freeway. Yeah, it's crazy. And by the way, this is a good time to point out that Grand Teton National Park gets more than 3 million annual visitors, making it one of the top 10 most visited national parks in the country. And the most of those visitors come in July and August, uh, right when we were there. Yeah, it seems like all 3 million of them were there that day on this trail. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot, and it explains why I had to speed hike past a ton of groups on that Jenny Lake Loop Trail. It was, it was crazy and exhausting. <laughs> and I must be a really quiet hiker because anytime I pass people, they always do a little gasp and act so shocked that I'm suddenly next to them. Like they're just like, <gasps> you know, that happened like repeatedly on the trail because I passed like, I don't know, fifty different groups of people, and they're all like panicking. I'm like, right. I'm just glad trail. they didn't like spray, uh, spray you with bear spray. Uh, yeah, actually, in retrospect, <laughs> I didn't um, want to catch them out guard yeah. and then get sprayed in the face. Yeah, you're quiet and fast, so it's a tricky combination. Uh, no wonder you're always sneaking up on people. 
Yeah, and especially, sometimes I accidentally find myself awkwardly, like, in the middle of some larger groups that I'm trying to pass. Like, at one point on this trail, there was this huge, like, family of, like, 12 or more people, it seemed like. They seemed like they're all related. It was, like, the family from Home Alone or something with, like, mm. a bunch of bickering and, like, kind of chaos. And I could only pass a couple people at a time because it's a big group. I can't just, like, speed walk past all 12 of them. And then I was, like, kind of tangled in the middle, like, mixed in with their family. And at one point, this man was, like, scolding his child and getting super angry. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to get in the middle of this. And I'm, I'm worried I might, like, you know, ex- witness something, w- witness, like, a family confrontation. And I'm like, sir, please, like, there's a stranger in your midst. Be, be cautious. <laughs> you did not say that. No, but I was thinking it. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it sounds like you love the trail anyway, and your photos were some of the best ones I've seen of Grand Teton. Yeah, Jenny Lake is just incredible. So it's the seven-mile loop, all pretty flat, and it was a perfectly sunny and warm day that I did it with this wide-open, shimmering lake and the mountains off to one side. There were boaters and kayakers crisscrossing the lake. It was all so idyllic. I loved it. Yeah, and by the way, for those of you who don't want to hike around the entire lake, there's a shuttle boat you can take from near the like Jenny Lake Visitor Center for a small fee, and it drops you right off near the entrance of the Cascade Canyon, which is totally worth exploring. Absolutely. I saw a lot of people using that boat like throughout the day, and the canyon was definitely full when I was passing through. I didn't do a ton here. I didn't spend a lot of time there, mainly because it was super crowded. I stopped at Hidden Falls, though, which is an epic waterfall just slightly in the canyon away from the lake. And then I did a little hike up to this point called Inspiration Point. Well, were you inspired? Yes, I was. I probably would have been even more inspired if the whole place wasn't swarming with people, but still, great view. I think it's also a good uh, time to highlight some of the park's wildlife because there's a lot of it. Yes. Um, probably not much as Yellowstone, but Grand Teton is still known for its moose, bear, and elk in particular. There's actually a huge uh, national elk refuge uh, right near Jackson, which is fascinating. It's a 24,000-acre preserve that was created in 1912 to protect one of the largest elk herds in the world. Each winter, about 7,500 elk live here, migrating down from Yellowstone primarily, since there was like an abundant like grassy area here. Yeah, that's a lot of elk, even more than all the elk we saw when we were in Yellowstone. And that's really saying something because we saw a ton. Yeah, you can actually see a lot of bison here, too. Um, you know what's actually beautiful, though? It, I actually camped at the top of the National Elk Refuge on a mountain. Um, and it was like going up this huge, like, huge mountain. I mean, yeah. it was crazy how big it was. Um, <clears throat> because there's a lot of ruts that were like a foot drop. So, like, I was, I remember uh, Tim Burton of Brinsman Wood Farm followed me up there one day. And this was on a different trip. But basically, um, He's in a box truck with all the syrup in it, and I'm in the SUV, and we're, I'm going through these ruts. And then I'm looking in my bat, rear mirror, looking and watching him, and, like, he was, like, white-knuckling the steering mm. wheel behind me. <laughs> it was, like, a sure. crazy time. But the National Elk Refuge is beautiful, especially the next morning when I got to, like, go down the mountain to get out of there. Um, it's just a beautiful, beautiful sight, and you have the Grand Tetons in the back, and it's definitely worth it. But there's camping up there, just in case well, you Well, that's know. great to know. Yeah. Sounds beautiful. Yeah, and like you mentioned, you can also see bison here, and these are especially common in the plains near the historic Mormon Row area, and if you don't know what that is just by hearing it, you've almost certainly seen a photo of it, because it's one of those most iconic barns, like, anywhere in the country. It's this 
historic district in Grand Teton National Park where these farms were built in the early 1900s. And they've got this picture-perfect backdrop of the Teton Range with potential bison sightings as well. So it's like this most quintessential national park scenery all in one view. River. So in addition to hiking, Grand Teton National Park is also a haven for water activities. Like I mentioned, kayaking on the lakes is popular, but whitewater rafting is also huge in the summer and early fall. And the best part is when you can white water raft down the Snake River, which we love because it's an iconic section of the Oregon Trail game. Yeah, yes, it is. I'm pretty sure I drowned in that river several times playing that game. It's treacherous, and <laughs> now after rafting it, I can attest to that. So, yeah, I'm not surprised. Not at all. So I want to talk a little bit more about this rafting trip because the Snake River was really an adventurous day, and it was epic. And this was when I was with my sister and brother and my dad, and we carved out a day to do this. It was pretty cold, so I was worried that I might get hypothermic, but they dress you in wetsuits and layers so that you're well insulated. And the trip is kind of divvied into two different parks. You go down part of the Snake River that's really docile and calm, and it's mostly just drinking in the scenery at a comfortable pace. I remember seeing several bald eagles perched in trees along the river, and we would see these, like, lavish mountain mansions along the side of the river and up, like, along the slopes. And then after that portion, you kind of make—you get off on some, like, shore of the river and then get it, get back into the van, and then they drop you a little bit down the road to a portion of the river that gets more rapid— you all get back into the raft, and then this is the part that's really white water. And for this one, my sister and I both put on, like, headwear as well, like wetsuits for that cover your hair. And so we were, like, almost all of us, all, almost all of our body was, like, covered because I was just worried about being really freezing. It was late September in Wyoming, so it was chilly, to say the yeah. least. And so, yeah, we go down this white, white water section, and it was such a blast and you have so much adrenaline that you don't even notice that you're cold. You just, like, hit all these big, like, aggressive crashing waves, and you get soaked. So much fun. I loved it. And I remember our guide at one point telling us that, like, one of the main, like, waves that you hit, he said on one trip he had recently done, the whole raft, like, actually, like, shot straight in the air and then, like, went upside down, so everyone, like, fell out. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Nope. Like, that's horrifying, but also, like kind of exciting. I don't know if I would want to experience that. No. Probably not, no. But <laughs> the, the, my, like, the most fun part of it was there's this photographer who's perched on like one of the rocks along the river and he's taking like, you know, professional photos of your group as you're passing by. And then once you're done with the trip, you can look at those photos. It's sort of like when you go on a ride at like a, a theme park and then you get to see the photos that were taken on the ride. And we saw them and it was so funny because my sister and I looked like identical twins. We had, like, these huge smiles on our faces, the same exact smile. Huge, wet, cold. Yeah, smiling through the, like, pain. And it was so great because we, we just were having the best time, and the photo really captured that. And we also, like, it confirmed that, like, her and I just look like the same person, especially when our hair is all covered up. We just look like twins. Yeah. You know what the best thing to do after, like, a trip like that would be? After whitewater rafting? Yes. I sip whiskey at a Hootenanny? Yes, exactly. Oh my gosh, perfect, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's why I really want to talk about the Hootenanny right by Grand Teton National Park. Food. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Prior to experiencing this activity here, I think I thought Hoot Nannies were like these storybook activities that only took place in TV cartoons or like on Splash Mountain at Magic Kingdom. No. Like I thought I didn't know that they were real. But they're real things. You yeah. kept yeah, you kept talking about this Hoot Nanny that yeah. takes place. And I was like, Real? My friend uh, Chris Bingman, he um, invited us out to go to the Hoot Nanny and, you know, have some drinks and tap our shoes while we're listening to this great music. And, yeah. I mean, these guys were hilarious, super talented. There's a lot of locals that come out every single week, and they really enjoy giving this beautiful music and creating this community. And it was packed. Because it was colder, there's it's in a smaller like area, but um, I mean at least a hundred people were there, and people from out of town, in town, and the cool thing is they said they even invite like traveling musicians out to it, so you just have to be there at the right time, right place, I guess. But yeah, um, and they do it every single week, and it's a really beautiful uh, place because I just I felt so much soul there. Yeah, me too. I loved it so much more than I. Thought I would, I guess. Yeah, and it takes place uh, in the summer months at this resort uh, called Dornans. Yeah, I remember, like, when I was first hearing about this and you told me about this, like, resort, I thought Dornans was a restaurant in Jackson or something. I I literally had no idea it was in Grand Teton or, like, what it was. I definitely did not expect what it turned out to be, but it was awesome. And this resort looks like a rustic lodge or something. It looks like... More like glamping than a hotel, I guess, and I I love it. So so cool. Yeah, and this whole event takes place there with these musical performers under a tent and food and drinks served all night long. I mean, it was just an absolute blast. Yeah, it was. And speaking of food and drinks, I think we need to carve out some time to talk more about the town of Jackson and also Teton Village and how incredible the food scene is in both of these places. It's wonderful. I love it. Yeah, uh, like the Million Dollar Cowboy Bar. Oh, that, that place is great. You and I have both been a couple times now, and this is like an iconic stop in Jackson. It's like right on the central square of the town and one of the older venues in Jackson. And it has a really big, like, light-up sign, kind mm-hmm. of like a Las Vegas-esque yeah. with a big, huge cowboy. It's stunning. Yes. Doesn't the the, and the cowboy, like, revolves, in. right? He, like, spins around. Oh, does yeah. he? Yeah, uh, I think maybe. he does. Well, yeah. And inside is this big, sprawling, saloon-like bar. And the best part is the the literal bar itself is lined with not just bar stools, but the, like there are stools with, the, what, are they, what are they called? They're like, you sit Saddles. on horses. Saddles. Saddles. Yeah, right. <laughs> so they're like saddle bar seats, yeah. Yeah. which are a little hard to climb up onto, but it's really fun. Like Unless a real-life saddle, like on a horse. You're getting yeah. on Yeah. I mean, I have very little experience with horseback riding, which you might do. explain my... Desperate confusion right now, but, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I love it though. No, it was really beautiful just to get on the saddles and just like sit there, have so a good. drink, and they have some great cocktails in their food. Yeah, it's like a pickup window um, option. There's that one where you go order it from the window, go up to the bar, put your number down, and they'll bring it to you. Yeah, but then there's also that steakhouse down below, which I have not been to. You haven't. I have. I treated I myself to a really beautiful dinner there one night, and. I just loved it. uh, Expensive. For one person, I mean, I'm not kidding. Uh, It was probably like 90 bucks by the time I was done. I'm not surprised. Because I had had steak, potatoes. I had 
cocktails and it was yeah it was perfect but i feel like you but, did it right that's like the most classic wyoming meal yeah oh yeah yeah steak, i couldn't potatoes. go to wyoming and uh, like say hey can i get a cauliflower steak right yeah i'll have the tofu <laughs> like, like i'd probably get like literally thrown out of the front of the saloon doors yeah. <laughs> right and you would deserve that yeah absolutely so this place is essential my, my i think my favorite place for food is this cafe called persephone bakery and there are actually two locations now yes they do in the area yeah so there's one like right around the corner from this bar in the heart of Jackson, and then there's a newer one near Teton Village, and which is to, like right by where we were staying at oh, our yeah. RV park. It was like that across was the street, right? Mm-hmm. This place is so good. It's like sunny and sleek and modern, and the food is just really wholesome and delicious and seasonal. And they're known especially for like their baked goods, like cakes and cookies and quick breads and stuff like that. I wouldn't be I surprised for them to like serve a like a cauliflower steak if they oh, served, totally if that, they served yeah. dinner, but they don't. But mm, yeah. <laughs> like because it was more like modern, like you're yeah, saying. Yeah, like and grain bowls and like hearty, wholesome stuff like that. And when we were last there, when you and I went together, I had like a carrot coconut bread or something. So not like a cake. It was more like banana bread, but with coconut and carrot. And it's so just wonderful. They do everything. Perfectly. And turmeric lattes. Yeah. Where was that place that you had the white Russians? So that was at the lodge where we were staying in Teton Village, this place called The Spur. Yes. And just, it's this like beautiful looking, homey, cozy, um, like restaurant slash saloon in on the bottom level of the hotel. And it seems like the right place to order a white, a white Russian. Like it's that vibe. You just want to like do all the cozy things and drink the, like, boozy espresso stuff, and it was great. And then you told me about this bar where you, like, roll the dice to determine your yeah. shot and beer oh. and your chaser or whatever, you know? Yeah, we need to what, talk what about that. What was that? So that place is called The Handlebar. It's also in Teton Village. It's just It was a short walk away from where we were staying, and that was my favorite thing ever. And that was the one I really wanted to take you to, but they were closed in addition to most everything else in Teton Village. But so the deal is, like, I mean, the restaurant itself is just great. It's this beautiful kind of mountain lodge restaurant with, like, polished wood and soaring ceilings and just, you know, whisk, great whiskey list and beer and fried chicken sandwiches and stuff like that. Looks like we're going to have to go back. <laughs> yeah. I think this place alone is, like, worth a revisit. But the the best thing about it is there's this option on the drink menu where you roll dice to determine your, like, shot, chaser, and beer. So three different, three different rolls, I believe. Yeah. And... It's kind of it's a gamble because it's right up my alley. I mean, the beers are all good, and the I think the riskiest part was like the shots because some of them are like traditional, and then some of them are kind of wild. Like there, were, there was like pickle, green pickle juice or something, and then Oof. hot dog water was one of them. No, so you don't mm-hmm. want to land on that. <laughs> the the best part was like I did it. I rolled the dice. I got like something. Relatively tame. Same thing for my brother. And then my sister was really nervous to do it because she was deathly afraid of getting hot dog water. <laughs> you know, which is understandable. Who wants that? But uh, she finally did it. She was like, fine, I'll roll it. And then she landed on the hot dog water. Shut And up. we burst out laughing. So she immediately grabbed the dice and rolled again as if we didn't notice that she landed on yeah. hot dog water. But then it again landed on hot dog water. Uh, and... She was just screaming. She's like, I, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Like, nope. no. No. <laughs> She's like, I am, I forfeit. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I'm done. She um, danced around that. She cheated to get out of hot dog water because she, 
if she was being honorable, she would have done the hot dog water. But well, she probably opted for one I of the it. beautiful beers in Jackson. I mean, it's turning out to be this little beer it mecca is. with craft breweries popping up all over the area in yeah. recent years. So I wouldn't blame Emily for doing that. No, yeah, no, I mean, definitely I don't, go for the local beer. Definitely instead, don't want right? to sip hot dog water. That sounds repulsive. No, I still. I remember we went to this one. Um, it's Roadhouse Brewing Co which yeah. has a small tap room at its original brewery. And then there's another brew pub located um, where it has a full restaurant. Yeah, it's just perfect. Like all of it, everything they do. I love the decor. The decor is very rustic chic. The beer branding is amazing. The beer names are amazing. And the food is just all so good. Really solid place. It's all overseen by brewer Colby Cox and chef Gavin Fine, who definitely are one of the like best-known chefs in the area. Um, and they have several restaurants throughout Jackson. So his food at the Roadhouse is definitely better than what most people would think when they're going to, like, get brewery food. Yeah, I think the menu here is, like, full of surprises, definitely raising the bar on, like, bar food, so to speak. Because he's got things like seared Idaho trout and fried artichokes and buffalo cauliflower. Mm. So not a cauliflower steak, but in the same vicinity. And then there are, like, kimchi hot dogs. Ooh, what and... about kimchi hot dog water? <laughs> Shots oh, no. for Emily. Would you do that then? No. No. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, but they also had those banh mi flatbreads. And... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Doc poutine. And then there's even a zucchini noodle lasagna, which if you like, I mean, I'm really into zucchini noodles. I think yes. it's a wonderful idea. And we also had something similar in West Yellowstone at um, some saloon we went at when oh, I worked. Oh, Bullwinkle Saloon. Bullwinkles, yes. And I had that there. I had not lasagna, but I had like zucchini noodles with, I think, like a pesto sauce of some sort. That's right. And that was my first zucchini noodle experience, my first zoodle experience. And now here it is again in Jackson. So I think apparently Wyoming is in the midst of some sort of zucchini renaissance. And I, I love it. I fully support it. Yeah, and the beers here are really good go-to as well, like the Walrus IPA, and then there's that um, American Pale Ale called, like, Trout Whistle. Uh, they actually have a lot of, like, hazy IPA varieties, which you love. I, I love it. I love them all. It's my favorite kind of beer, so just the sheer amount that they have here makes me very happy. And they have a lot of fun variations that they do and that they kind of rotate, almost in, like, a beer series, like... The Mountain Jam Volume 3 is a hazy IPA with mango. And then the Mountain Jam Volume 5 is a hazy IPA with pineapples and guava. A little tropical twist. Love it. I think the Walrus is their standard. I remember getting some of that, like, to stockpile in our fridge yes. as well. So yeah. there's, like, the tall boys of this Walrus IPA, which is great. And also a great post-hike beer. I yes. think IPA is it's really refreshing, you know, because white Russians and hot tubs aren't always readily available. So... Sometimes you have to make do with IPAs. That's true. You are listening to Parklandia from iHeartRadio. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. 
you have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Brad. This is Parklandia. And this week we're talking about Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming. My favorite. And talking about, like, your favorite IPAs, you know what time it is. It's actually time to talk about our favorite parts of Grand Teton National Park. We haven't told each other our answers, so it's all a surprise. So, Matt, what was your favorite thing about Grand Teton National Park? Hmm. My favorite thing, I would say, was the Amphitheater Lake Trail. Yes. Oh, makes sense. So beautiful. and Also known as, like, Trail Misery. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, as long as you're not veering off and doing Delta Lake when it's snowy and icy, I think, yeah. But Amphitheater Lake is, you might as well just, like, stay on the main trail, go to the top, and bring a lunch or something and sit by the lake. And it's so serene and wonderful. And even though, like, even it was July and it was crowded, especially down by the trailhead. But by the time I was up by Amphitheater Lake, it was, I had, like, the lake pretty much to myself. And I could find a little nook, like, sit by a rock and just, like, chill out by the lake and eat the rest of my sandwich or whatever. I don't remember what I brought. but And then I remember just, like, touching the water, which was, like, perfectly still and, like, ice cold and there's little patches of ice and snow all over it, surrounded by these, like, high, soaring peaks. And it was a wonderful setting, and I'm really glad that I, like, followed through and finished that trail to completion. 
and I would highly recommend that. Yeah, absolutely. So that would probably be my favorite part. What What about you? What was your favorite part of Grand Teton? Well, mine was definitely the Hoot Nanny at oh. Donan's um, because, you know, you can just go there. It's every Monday at like 6 p.m. In the um, summer. In the summer, yep, absolutely. And sometimes they'll even do it winter and fall inside. Um, it's a smaller oh. area, so actually they don't like just stop, but it's just not as big. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, and so it's just like it's right there. Um, you know, it's actually probably a 10-minute drive from the Jenny Lake Trail, so it's not even that far, um, maybe 15 no. or 20, but, you know, it's close. <laughs> yeah. It's like the first thing you get as you're going out of the park going to Jackson. So it's in between Jackson and the entrance where Jenny Lake is and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so it's free um, to go, but you Sweet. can, of course, support by buying like local beers and drinks and talking with the musicians sure. and the artists and just really having a good time. Um, uh, Chris Bingman, he he goes there. He's there all the time. Um, I know that it's like like non-tourism time now. So he works at the national parks and does different things in the areas at the hotels and stuff. So because it's not prime time, I know he's off traveling the world just like us, living his life, loving life, yeah. and just figuring it out. But I hopefully he'll be there again next year. And if not, there's many other great artists to go say hi to and su- uh, support. At the Hootenanny. Yeah, it's perfect. That's a good one. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. So... If we're talking about three things or or more to bring to Grand Teton National Park, what would we recommend? I think it obviously depends on season. Yes. But if you're going like when we went, which was during summer. Beautiful time. Beautiful, beautiful time. time. Yeah. Bear spray. No matter well, what. I mean, all the time. Yeah. All year round. Bear spray. Um, right. Even and though you, not a lot of people get attacked by bears, it's uh, hardly better anyone, yeah. to be safe than <laughs> sorry. And actually, one of those little jingle bells. You could put it on your boot, uh, belt and uh, or boot, uh, whatever you want, and it actually just jingles. So it creates that noise for you. Uh, Matt would be like, go crazy if I just did that, but it's mm-hmm. better to be safe Probably. than sorry. Yeah, so bear spray. And by the way, you can get that pretty much in any type of store in this part of Wyoming. Oh, yeah. Gas so, station. Literally, gas station, Walmart. The Anything. camp stores, the national park stores, the RV sites. The, I mean, literally anywhere that sells. I bet you you could probably almost get it at the Million Dollar Cowboy Bar. I don't think you can actually, but maybe. The, maybe they have it behind the scenes. Maybe. Or they'd be able to direct you to where you can buy it, I'm sure. Yeah. Most any place. So bear spray. And then it really depends on what trailer you're doing. So ask a park ranger or a... DBS concierge, but <laughs> if you're doing anything that could potentially be snowy, I would recommend having proper hiking equipment for that, meaning mittens or gloves. Water-resistant gloves. Snow poles. Yeah, water-resistant gloves. <laughs> yeah, don't get those thin ones, not the inserts, like get real gloves. Mm-hmm. Hiking poles and then proper footwear, I think most especially, do not hike through snow with what I was wearing, which was probably sneakers. Yeah, no, you definitely have to have, like, water-resistant hiking boots. That's even different than just getting your normal ones, like everyday runners, but... Or, like, those boot, those spikes that you can put on your boots when you're hiking in snow. I love those, and they they make a world of difference. They really do. Had I been wearing all of this stuff, I would have thoroughly enjoyed Delta Lake and not been miserable and, like, crying, literally crying. Yeah, and if you're going in the summer, you know, definitely don't forget your sun's, uh, sunscreen and your bug spray. You mm-hmm. know, you definitely are going to need those. Yeah, especially sunscreen and especially because, like, even when it is snowy, don't let that be misleading to you because that actually might be make it 
doubly important because the snow is also hitting you directly and reflecting off of the snow and the ice. So you're getting hit in like twice the impact. So sunglasses and sunscreen go a long way as well as water, of course, but that's kind of always a necessity. And then another another thing, and this was something we almost got, but I, I remember we were like shopping in Jackson and we went to a store and I wanted to get like a big shawl. Do you remember that? Like it was... Oh, yeah. What is that? It was like a shawl. Definitely a thing. shawl. Right. <clears throat> and I almost got it, but as I was like trying it on, the store, the woman in the store was like, that's a towel. <laughs> yes. Right? And we even tried to like go to like three <laughs> other places that um, had that yeah. or the p- potential of having that and none of them had that one. But I... Like, it didn't really look like a towel, so I was strong considering. I'm like, should I just get this and wear a towel? I told you to get it, but you didn't listen to me. I almost got it. Yeah. I love the pattern. And I was, I'm like, who would notice, really? Like, if you touch it, it kind of felt like a towel. But Right. And it's it's Pendleton anyway, so it's like, of course. Like, yeah, that's when we got our first Pendleton blanket. Yeah. Which is now in storage because we didn't want it in the RV. We didn't. (laughs) Yeah. We're like, we want it to be all nice and pretty. And we knew that it would be used a lot in the RV, which is good, but Mm -hmm. it's also like, that's more for the home, the cabin one day. When we're in space. When when we have a big home to live in again. Oh, sorry. I'm daydreaming. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love our RV, uh, but sometimes it just gets a little cramped, and yeah. it would be nice to have multiple rooms. So I'll, I can yeah. hide from that. Right. It's not a very Pendleton-friendly RV, I guess. No, it's not. Who knows what Finn would do to it. So for a park that borders one of the country's most famous national parks and often gets lumped in with Yellowstone, Grand Teton totally manages to set itself apart and really blow minds with its incredible views, scenery, Food, white water, white Russians, and musical activities, too. Yes. Uh, Major props go to Rockefeller and Albright for seeing the greatness in this place. Um, They work so hard to preserve it for visitors like us and visitors in the future. Yeah, and for visitors in the future, we'll try and save some white Russians for you, but I, I honestly can't make any promises. You've been listening to Parklandia, a show about national parks. Parklandia is a production of iHeartRadio. Created by Matt Kerouac, Brad Kerouac, and Christopher Haziotis. Produced and edited by Mike Johns. Our executive producer is Christopher Haziotis. Our researcher is Jesslyn Shields. A special thanks goes out to Gabrielle Collins, Crystal Waters, and the rest of the Parklandia crew. And hey, listeners, if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people like you find our show. You can keep up with us on social media as well. Check out our photos from our travels on Instagram at Parklandia Pod and join in on the conversation in our Facebook group, Parklandia Rangers. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And as always, thank you for listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets 
and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.